when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan grote well, welcome back raider nation and let's go i am your host evan grote and you are listening to just pod baby as always we're brought to you by silver and black today lots to get to tonight it's been an absolute frenzy all week long a roller coaster of emotions for the fans I got to say, I feel like my blood pressure has really, really gone up this week. Uh, we've had to say goodbye to uh, one of the captains, and not only a great player, but a really great guy as well, the epitome of a pro in center, Rodney Hudson. We'll get to all the moves. We'll talk about that trade and everything else that's been going on this week, what still needs to be done, and how it impacts the plans for the draft going forward. Now, it's just you and I tonight for the duration of the show. No guests uh, lined up for this week, so it's going to be you and I, and we're going to get into a lot of different things here. But I want to begin tonight with trying to make sense of what has went down here in the past few days. The dust has now settled a bit after what was a rocky start to the week, right? Kind of had a lot of us trying to figure out what the heck was going on here, what was the plan. But let's go through it and discuss some of the trades that were made and also some of the signings that occurred as well. We're going to start with... Uh, The big one, as I mentioned at the top, Rodney Hudson has been traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a third-round pick. In return, the Raiders also throw in a seventh-round pick, so they they do pick up, uh, you know, some good value there for Rodney Hudson. Uh, I got to say, I was completely shocked by this one, and I'm sure a lot of you listened to the State of the Nation podcast uh, by The Athletic with with uh, Vic Tafer and, and Tashawn Reed and, and Ted Wynn. Um, and, and if you listen to their uh, edition of their show last week, Vic mentioned this. He mentioned this as a possibility. So when I heard him say that, I got to be honest with you, I thought he was crazy. But now it has actually happened. So obviously Vic was very much in the know here um, on, on this situation. Now we have learned in the last 24 hours that there, there seem to be some mutual feelings here on this one be- between the organization and Hudson. Uh, there's been some reports out there that Hudson was was growing happy, you know, unhappy, I should say, um, with, with the, the losing that this team has been doing uh, over the years since he's been there. And you know what? I don't blame the guy. I really don't. Um, at, at this point in his career, um, you know, he's 32 years of age. Um, he's made plenty of money in the league. And, you know, he's looking to win. And so that that has to be frustrating uh, for a player of his caliber. He puts his heart and soul into it every day. Uh, he was the rock on that offense, not only offensive line, but really on the offense since he's joined that team. He's been a mo- one of the most reliable guys um, that I could think of. And, um, you know, you, you never heard a word from him. He kind of just flew under the radar, did his job, did his job at a high level, just put his head down and, and, and worked. And... Uh, was really well-liked by his teammates, uh, was a captain, as I mentioned. One of the more underrated players, I think, in the league. He really didn't receive a lot of credit nationally, never got the recognition he deserved, I think, from the all-pro voters. I think he was really kind of robbed there a couple times. Um, so no doubt that is a huge loss. There's no other way around it. But at the same time, 
there is a philosophy change going on with this organization right now. There's a, there's a complete change in philosophy. I wrote about this two weeks ago over at silverandblacktoday.com. Uh, no more are the days of the Raiders going out and spending big-time money on the offensive line. Right? You can argue whether or not that strategy is a sound strategy, whether that strategy has paid off in recent years, no pun intended. I mean, you can go back and think of the days of Del Rio when he was here. He and McKenzie really built this team uh, with a strong offensive line. They really believed in having uh, big-time guys along that offensive line. It was uh, They brought in Rodney Hudson. I think that was one of the very first free agent signings that they made. And then it was Donald Penn. Kalechi Osamele, if you recall, they drafted Gabe Jackson in 2016. And, you know, that that's philosophy has kind of carried over into the Gruden era now. Um, he praised this offensive line many times as the strength of his team. He talked about how much he loved Rodney Hudson and he loved the interior part of his line. Uh, he continued to build on that with drafting Colton Miller and then went out and signed Trent Brown. And, and so that, that philosophy really carried over to the Gruden years, and and it's been a position, or a unit, I should say, where they've really invested heavily. Again, do you think it paid off? I'm sure, you know, there's more to it than just a change of philosophy. Obviously, there's other factors involved here. The pinch that the, the, the salary cap has created this year being such a low number. Now, keep in mind, uh, Normally the salary cap rises. They were projecting it to be anywhere in you know closer to two hundred and twenty million dollars this year from what it was at hundred and ninety-eight million dollars last year. And rather than growing by twenty million, it actually lessened by uh, you know, it went down to 183 million from 198. So that's obviously a huge factor here. But as I said in my in my story uh, um with silverandblacktoday.com. I think this has more to do with the fact that this, the success that Tom Cable has had since he's been here, I mean, he's done a great job. There's no denying that. He has had to dealt, deal with uh, a plethora of injuries all across the line, and I think that's really given Gruden confidence that Cable can do more with less, right? They believe that Cable does not need these high-end free agents. You don't have to go out and and and, and sign a right tackle to the la- largest contract in NFL history. They don't feel he needs those types of players. And I can tell you, we're going to find that out very soon because right now, Andre James is uh, being slated to be the, the next starter at center, although I did see just before I came on here to record that they did sign uh, another center, Nick Martin, who was uh, with the Texans. And I and I can't say that I know a ton about Nick Martin, to be completely honest with you. I did see that he has, I think it was 47 or 49 career starts. You know, decent player. So he's a guy that can come in and challenge James for that job. But, uh, you know, James or whoever it may be, Martin, they got some big shoes to fill. So we're, we're going to see, we're going to test that theory uh, real quick here. Uh, and we're going to see if Andre James, young guy like Andre James, John Simpson, another guy, and and Tom Cable, we're going to see if they're up for that that big task. And the other trade that occurred on Wednesday was obviously Gabe Jackson. And this one came as less of a surprise just because 
you know, we heard his name being tossed around in possible possible trade scenarios last year. I always thought he was a possible cap casualty last year. Um, but I'll admit, um, I think they did a nice job getting some trade value for not only Hudson, but also Jackson, because we all thought a couple of days ago, we all thought these guys were just outright being released. Right. And, and so to get a fifth round pick, um, in return for, for Gabe Jackson, along with that third round pick for Rodney Hudson, I think that's, I think that's, that's, Got to make you feel pretty good. I mean, you, you hate to lose these guys. Hudson, obviously, I think one of the top three centers in the league. Gabe Jackson, uh, you know, I thought he was a serviceable uh, right guard. I think he can be replaced, but um, I did like what he brought to the, the team for the last few years. Um, so the team does now have two third-round picks and five, um, excuse me, uh, two third-round picks and, and two fifth-round picks. And I think they have seven picks now total. Uh, so I do like adding the draft capital there. That's a good move. Um, you know, you combine those two trades along with the trade of Trent Brown, and, and you know, you've got three-fifths of your offensive line now traded in the offseason. And as I was prepping for the show here, I was thinking back. I wonder how many other times, if ever, if that's ever happened, that in, in one offseason – a team has traded away three of their starting offensive line from the previous year. I'm curious to, to find out if that's ever happened. And, and and this all leads me into my next point here. Who the heck is going to protect Derek Carr next year, right? That was the question we were all wondering. Uh, well, we do have some answers on that as well. Uh, they are bringing back Richie Incognito. And Denzel Good, as we as we thought that would be the case, that was the the word on the street all along, is that they wanted Incognito back, just on a more team friendly deal, and so they were able to get that done, a much lower number than his original uh, five point six million. And Denzel Good gets a he gets a pay raise, and I think it's a deserving pay raise. He gets a two years contract, eight point three million dollars, and I'm and I'm glad they were able to get him back as well. Obviously. They badly needed some bodies along that offensive line, but not only do they do they get some bodies, they get some guys that are familiar with what Cable wants to do. They're familiar with the organization, obviously, and the quarterback. And I think that's you know to have that continuity is really important, especially if they are to bring in a uh, a rookie right tackle to throw on there on that offensive line. And and if they are going to go with a youngster like Andre James, it'll be nice to have two veterans alongside him that can kind of help him along. Now, I do worry about Incognito returning from that injury. And I know he's played well in his latter years, um, but at his age, you know, 38 years old, to be coming back from a lower body injury for an offensive line, I do worry about that. So we're just going to have to cross our fingers uh, with him that he can come back and, and play a full season and, and be productive. Now, uh, Denzel Good, I do think he was deserved to be paid. You know, I think he totally outplayed his contract. And, um, you know, he's been a very, very uh, valuable player for this team, especially last year. And Gruden even talked about it as at one point calling him the MVP of the team. And he can play, as you know, both guard and tackle. Uh, I prefer him at guard, but, but uh, you know, let's say they, they, for whatever reason, they had to push him out to tackle, whether it's an injury or whether, you know, it's whoever they have, 
tab to be the right tackle, whether it's somebody in the draft or whatever may happen, if for any reason he should have to go out to play tackle, uh, you can do that with him because he has that uh, position uh, versatility, and that, and then you could slide John Simpson in there to play guard if you need. So you, you got options with with Denzel Good, and that's what I, obviously that's what I like about him, and that's what the coaching staff likes about him as well. So you know, overall, the offensive line um, it's in much better shape than it was a, a couple days ago. Um, I'm not sure if they got better. Uh, I got to be honest. You know, I mean, you lose you lose a, a outstanding center like Rodney Hudson, who makes all the calls for the offensive line and really just kind of made Derek Carr's job easier uh, in that regard. Um, You lose Trent Brown. Now, listen, I know Trent Brown wasn't exactly out there a lot, but he he was a good player when he was out there. And, uh, you know, is is Denzel good uh, or John Simpson an upgrade to Gabe Jackson? I mean, I, I think it's kind of... I don't know. That's that's a tough question to, to ask right now. Um, and then you got again, you got Andre James trying to replace uh, you know a top three center in the league. So you know, if you're asking me, I would say right now the offensive line might have gotten worse. You know, maybe took a step back. Now, yeah, they saved a lot of money. This offensive line is obviously a lot cheaper. Um, but as far as talent wise, and and are they as good as the unit in the past years? I can't say for certain that they are, so I, I do have a little bit of a, a a concern there. But you know, you have to trust. You have to trust the the Gruden, uh, which for me is is I'm having a hard time doing right now. To be completely honest with you, but you have to trust the coaches. You have to trust Cable and their evaluation um, of these guys and, and and their evaluation of the of the current situation. Let's move away from the offensive line here for a few moments, and let's break down some of the other signings that have taken place, starting with Yannick Ngakwe. Um, really excited about this one. I know a lot of you are as well, and I know that you know he's a guy that they had showed some interest in when he became available uh, by trade, uh, I think it was last season. Um, and I, And I'm glad that they were able to finally get him in. Uh, I, you know, they didn't have to give up the trade um, assets to do it. They were patient with it, which I like. I like the contract as well. I believe it's a, a it's a win win for both parties. Really, it's a win win for him and for the organization. They get a 25 year old edge rusher right now who you know he's looking to get paid, and I think he got a decent payday here with a, you know 13 million dollars a year. But if he's not satisfied with that, if he still wants more, which I'm sure he does. And then the $26 million that he's going to get from Las Vegas, he's got a great opportunity here to set himself up for another huge payday uh, two years from now because he will be a free agent uh, in two years at the age of 28. He's still young enough at that point to um, you know, get himself a nice contract. So he's going to be highly motivated, um, and I think not that not that his effort or energy out there. He's a high motor guy. Not that that's ever been called into question, but I think they're going to get the best version of Yannick and that they, that they possibly can. Uh, I think be being, uh, reunited with Gus Bradley, uh, who they both have experience working together from their days, uh, in Jacksonville. I think that's a great thing for, uh, Ngakwe. I think it's a great thing for the Raiders because, 
Bradley knows how to get the best out of this guy. One of his better seasons came under the 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 guidance of Gus Bradley. So I think that's just another real benefit of, of this move. Now, the only downside I would say, if there is a downside, is that you know, Ngakwe is more of a specialist. Uh, he, he pass rush is his calling card, and that's exactly what the doctor has ordered for this this defense. We all know that, but uh, you know, he's not exactly stout against the run. Not not something that he's known for. So he he's more of a pass rush specialist that will probably be asked to to play. You know the majority of the snaps on the edge. I don't know exactly what the the rotation is going to look like. I I have a feeling um, that Crosby will step into more of your uh, third down rusher off the bench. Clee Farrell will probably be more of your, you know, first, first and second down uh, option on the edge. will kick inside to play tackle uh, on passing situations. So um, I think Ngakwe and, and Farrell will be your starters. That That's just my... Um, opinion on it. Um, so anyhow, I, I do like the signing. I think he's an impact guy, uh, an alpha that they they needed to get. Now they've also added a couple of defensive tackles, and and I think that there's some people out there that are a bit more excited or a bit lo- a bit more uh, you know high on these guys uh, than I am. Solomon Thomas and Quentin Jefferson. I'm going to start with Thomas. I mean, look, I I, I don't know. I got to be honest again. Um, you know, I, I want to be a straight shooter with you guys. I I don't really see what there is to be excited about with this guy. I, I know he's a former third overall pick, and he he's had some he's had to deal with some some off the field issues uh, with with I believe it was like the death of a family member, and you know I know how difficult that can be. Um, but he has really done nothing as a pro, nothing. You know, was he playing out of position? It's possible. I I know that he was used more as a, as a defensive end in San Francisco. Did he get lost in, in the shuffle? You know, among a, a talented defensive line in San Francisco? Yes, absolutely. You know, he was playing alongside DeForest Buckner and uh, Armstead, and you know they 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 got a lot of talent there on that D line, but. Um, you know, I just haven't seen enough production from him, and he's coming off the torn ACL last season. Um, I, I just don't like the signing. I, I really don't. Um, you know, he he's still young enough where he can show some growth. It's not like we've never seen a player at the age of twenty five, you know, get into a new environment, a new situation, giving an opportunity, a fresh start. You know, I I really do believe in that. Um, but I, I'm not really counting on. Uh, a major contribution from Solomon Thomas. I think he's a, a depth signing. He's going to add a little bit of competition to that room. Uh, but as far as an impact, I just don't know. You know what what, kind of, what we should really be expecting from him. Now, as far as the other guy, Quentin Jefferson, is concerned, I know a lot of people were, were happy about this one as well, and and I get it. You know, he's got some juice to his game. He's a big guy, uh, two hundred and ninety pounds, and I saw he ran a four nine forty. So he, you know, he's got a little bit of juice to him. Uh, but I, but I've got a lot of friends here. Obviously, he he's a former Buffalo Bill. I got a lot of friends here, you know, who who are watching this, these Bills games on you know weekly basis, and uh, you know I can't say that I've I've watched Quentin Jefferson a ton, but I, I talk to a lot of my my you know buddies here that I trust with you know with their football opinion, and I, I got a pretty decent scouting report on him, and I can't say that it was exactly a glowing report. Um, 
Pro Football Focus graded him out with a 50 against the run and a, a 67.9 against the pass. That ranked him 81st out of 125 eligible defensive tackles. Now, the intel that I've gotten about Jefferson is that you know he was playing a little bit out of position. Um, they, they, Buffalo used him a lot as like a one tech, where he, my my buddy believed he would have been more successful as maybe a three tech, uh, with with the option, with the ability to move outside um, if they needed him to. And my 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 uh, friend also pointed out that you know um, what's his name Oliver um, Ed Oliver drew a lot of double teams, you know, and and. You know, what was Jefferson able to do with that? After the signing of Ngakwe, I think the, the the next move that's got me the most excited is bringing back Nicholas Morrow. He was one of the lone bright spots on the defense last year. I think he's going to continue to get better. I think I'm really excited that they made him a priority and brought him back. Um, Jonathan Hakins also re-signed a strong run defender. And, you know, the defensive line is is starting to take shape, whether you like what they've done there or not. There are some, some bodies there now. Let's quickly just run through the names on that defensive line. You, you've got Ngakawe, Crosby, Farrell, Key, and Nassib, more of your edge players, to go along with Hankins, Irving, Hurst, Jefferson, and Thomas on the interior. I still think there's work that needs to be done here. I, I still think they... They should look to address, you know, the defensive tackle position uh, in the draft. Or if, you know, you're up on the clock and you, you see in a Aziz uh, Ajalori sitting there, I think it would be hard to pass him up. I really do. Uh, I think he's that good. Um, you know, so uh, you know, we're only two days into free agency. I, I get that. There's there's a, a draft that is going to happen in a little over a month. But but other than Ngakwe right now, they didn't really add another real difference maker. And, you know, we're talking about one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And I, I expected some bargain bin shopping. I've talked about that on the show here. Um, but, but then they go out and sign a guy like Kenyon Drake, give him a, you know, $5.5 million, two year, uh, over two years for five, Point five million dollars per year, eleven million dollars guaranteed. I I just don't get it sometimes, you know, um, and, and that kind of leads me back over to the offensive side of the ball. Let, let's talk about this deal with Kenyon Drake. I really like the player. There, there's there, I have no issues with the player. I like his skill set as as a guy who can can affect the game with his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's been a lead back before, so he's got experience doing that. He can block. I like him as a compliment to Jacobs. I really do, but he's making more money than Jacobs. Uh, you go out and you draft a running back a couple years ago in round one, and then just a couple years later, you bring in a backup and you pay him more than what you're paying your first round rookie. So to me, that just seems a little bit odd, and I just can't justify... I can't justify it. And I know there's people out there that are saying, oh, 5.5 million, that, that's not exactly breaking the bank. Well, when you look at the rest of the roster and when you uh, prioritize some of the other needs, this just seems like a luxury signing to me. This was not a move that was made out of necessity. Um, there's plenty of other running back number twos out there. 
that probably could have came in for a couple million bucks cheaper. And I and I know you may you, you know you, you hear me say that and you're thinking, what, what, you know, why 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 would you want to save if you can get Drake at five point five? Why would you want to bring in a guy like uh, you know? Let me see. Here. I got my list of free agents sitting right here in front of me, and I'm looking at the running backs. Um, you know, a couple guys that I liked was like a. A Jamal Williams, right? And I think he went for like two million, right? So you may be thinking three million dollars. You know, why are you pinching pennies? Well, th- that's that's a big chunk of money in in when when you're in the cap situation that this team is in right now. Uh, so that's why I, I I feel the way I do about that move. And and you know, go out and give that money to a cornerback, a slot corner, or put that money towards signing Anthony Harris. You know who knows? Maybe maybe they still will find a way to address those spots. But I, I was, I gotta admit, I was scratching my head a little bit with that one. Moving out to the wide receiver position, John Brown, he was signed, uh, three point five million, I believe it was. Hopefully, he's gonna step in and fill that void that was left behind by Nelson Aguilar, who is now a New England Patriot. Another former Buffalo Bill. I also got the lowdown on him as well. They call him Smoke. I'm not sure if that's known nationally, but that's his nickname. They call him Smoke. Uh, and as you know, he's primarily a speed guy, a, a deep threat with long that long vertical speed, similar to what Aguilar brought to the team and, and very similar to what Henry Ruggs does. Um, but a much more uh, refined as a route runner. Um, can run all the routes. And I did see some criticism out there on social media about him and his route running. But, um, you know, again, I'm not saying I watch John Brown on a weekly basis, but I've talked to some people who do, and they they seem to think that his route running is is very refined and can run all the routes. Um, But you can see Gruden envisioning, you know, him as a vertical threat stretched that field throughout his career. He has averaged uh, 14.8 yards per reception. You know, the big knock on this guy, as I'm sure you're aware, is the health. And this is a direct quote from my buddy here, big time Bills fan, knows what he's talking about. Guy is never healthy. That's what he said. So there's definitely some risk involved here with a player like John Brown. Uh, and, And there are two things that immediately came to mind for me when, um, you know, when I think about this, this signing, number one, he's not a number, he is not a, a true, you know, number one receiver. And I know that he's had a couple of seasons where he had a thousand yards. I get that. Uh, but that was a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, neither was Nelson Aguilar. I will say that Aguilar was also not a number one when he came in. He had never really been a true number one, but he'd kind of developed into that for the Raiders. Um, you know, and some of you are probably saying to yourselves, well, they, they have Darren Waller, who really is their number one. And while I do agree with you, that is true. Um, they're, they're still going to need a guy that in, in big moments, you know, who are you going to go to? I can think of many occasions where, you know, it was, it was Nelson Aguilar making those big plays in, in crucial moments. Um, the Miami game comes to mind when, when, Carr hooked up with him for that that deep pass, right, to take the lead towards the end of the game there. I believe it was the Miami game. Sometimes they all get a little fuzzy for me. But, um, you know, who's that guy going to be? Who's that guy going to be that's not named Waller? Can you rely on a guy like uh, John Brown? And then the second thought that, that came to mind is, you know, man, you know, should Brown not be able to stay healthy? You are really going to be asking a lot of second-year guys, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, who, who I got to be honest, again, 
I, you know, from what I saw from them in their rookie years, you know, they, they've left me with little faith that they're ready to lead this group. You know, are they ready to step in and lead? I know the talent is there. Don't get me wrong. I like both players, but based on what we saw from them, do you feel 100% confident that if Brown was to go down, that, that Henry Ruggs is ready to step in and be like a go-to guy? your number one guy on the outside. I mean, I would hope to see some progress in year two, but, but you know, I won't believe that until I see it. I re- I just really, I, I got to see it. You know, the potential is there, but they just didn't show enough in, in year one. So I do have some concerns there as well. So I, I believe that about covers, uh, covers it all for the, for the major moves uh, that have happened this week. I think we've covered it all, you know, as for what the plan is with Marcus Mariota, I think he's the next kind of domino that we're kind of expecting to fall, I guess we, we could say. Uh, it was reported today that they're they're asking him to take an $8 million pay cut. You know, that's not going to happen. I don't see him saying, yeah, I'll take, uh, what's he getting, 10.7? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take $2 million a year. That's not going to happen. I would imagine that at this point in his career, he still believes he can be a starter. So he knows this team isn't going to hold on to him. He knows that contract's just too big for them right now. So he's just going to wait this out. He'll eventually be cut. And then he'll be free to sign wherever he wants. Now, the one thing working against him is the longer that free agency goes on, the less options he's going to have as a starter. For example, Chicago, they went and filled their starting job with with Andy Dalton. You know, how many more starting jobs are there out there? You know, you'd have to take a look at that. But I I can't imagine him being being willing to take a, a pay cut. I just don't see that. So that would be the move. And I, and I know they want to trade him. I know that's why they're holding on to him. They're hoping that they could turn another trade like they have done with with Jackson and um and Hudson. But uh, that is the move that I would expect to happen any day now, whether it's a trade or just an outright cut. That will free up another ten point seven million dollars. Um, I still think they need to do some work on the defense, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago. And I think it has to be a a splash signing. And I know there's not a whole lot of guys out there that would fall under that category, but Anthony Harris, safety, he still fits that that, uh, description as a splash signing. Now, going into free agency, I always felt that the plan was they needed to come away with two players on the defense that I consider to be difference makers. Now, whether that came from a player that's on the edge or it was a defensive tackle or a safety, they needed to come away with two of those guys, big-time players, okay? And I think that they have checked off one of those boxes to this point. Harris would qualify as a difference maker, and I, I think they badly need a guy like him in the secondary, so I, I really hope they can get that done with him uh, sometime soon. But, but overall, as I begin to wrap it up this week on here on Just Pod Baby, uh, my, my overall impressions of the first week of free agency is that outside of Yannick and Gakawe, I, I just don't know how much better the roster is at this point. I know it's early. I'm not. I'm not jumping the gun. I'm not making any final predictions for the season. I'm just talking about where they currently stand right now. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Let's start on the offense. 
essentially what you have here is the same group you had in 2020 minus Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, and Nelson Aguilar. Think about that. You just lost those four players. They're being replaced with Andre James, who looks like now he'll be battling for that job with Nick Martin. John Simpson and Denzel Good will probably compete for that that right tackle job. And we still don't know what the plan is at right tackle. That might come from someone in the draft. And then you're hoping that John Brown can fill the void that was left by Aguilar. And you can throw in Kenyon Drake, you know, a nice little backup running back. So in your opinion, has the offense improved? And I know the offense was never the problem. I get it. But they, they has it improved? I don't think so. I would argue that the defense did not improve because there's so many unknowns right now with that offensive line. How does Incognito hold up recovering from that injury? Is John Simpson and Andre James, are they ready to be starters? We don't know that. Yeah, we've heard the coaching staff say they like Andre James, but this guy's played like 115 snaps throughout his career. Okay? We don't know. What is the plan at right tackle? And then the other big question is, can John Brown stay healthy? I think these are all fair points. And I think they're all fair questions. And then you go over to the defensive side of the ball. How much better have they gotten? One of the worst defensive units in the league last year. And Gakwe, no doubt about it, he's a big piece. He should really help. He's going to bring a presence to that defense that they have not had since Khalil Mack. He's a type of player that offensive coordinators have to game plan for him. They have to know where he is on the field. He should make life easier for a lot of guys along that line, like Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell. Everyone should benefit from having a player like Yannick Ngakwe on that line. But the interior pass rush, I'm just not sold. I am not sold on Solomon Thomas or Quentin Jefferson, which is why I still think... Defensive tackle is another option in the draft. I, I do think they need to to bring someone in there. And they've already discussed they still have a need at, at safety, slot cornerback. So so all in all, you know, I'm going to give you a grade. I'm going to put a grade on this. Um, and I've kind of looked this over, and I would say I'm going to put on my my teacher hat here. If I'm giving this current draft class, or excuse me, current free agent class a grade right now, I give it a C, okay? It, it, it's 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 not blowing me away. I think they've added some depth. They've kind of recovered that offensive line uh, from what we thought it was going to look like a couple uh, just a week ago. Uh, but but again, not a lot of high impact players brought in outside of Yannick Ngakwe. So I, I give it a grade of a C. And I'd like to hear from you guys. I, I want to know how you guys feel about this year's free agency class. Reach out to me on Twitter, egroat 5 Send me a DM, whatever you want to do. Tweet at me. If you listen to the show, I want to hear some feedback from you guys. I want to know your grade for this, this class so far. All right, guys and gals, that is going to do it for this week. Make sure you are clicking that subscribe button. Also, leave me a review and a rating if you can. I appreciate all the support you guys show me. All you Hoops fans out there, also enjoy the March Madness Tournament this weekend. Be sure to join me again next week for another brand new episode. Until then, I am your host, Evan Grote, and as always, just win, baby.